Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Zoology podcast, a podcast by some Scottish University students who study zoology with some interesting animal facts and some not so good jokes, plus a random American just for good measure. So our first episode is going to be a Halloween special just because we decided to start early just because we love Halloween. So we're going to introduce ourselves now. So my name's Elise and my favourite animal is a prehensile-tailed porcupine because I relate a lot to them because they're kind of spiky and they've got a big nose and I'm jealous of their tail. So next person. Hi, I'm Rachel and right just now my favourite animal is the okapi or okapi. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about them at the end of the episode because it was recently World Okapi Day. But um, yeah, that's me for now. Uh, my name is Jill. My favourite animal is a horse. Um, because I How like them. How dare you. <laughs> Shut up. Um, favourite animal is a horse. Uh, super boring, but I like horses, so that's why. I'm Steph. And uh, my favourite animal is the Komodo dragon currently, but that changes every day. Uh, I'm Shannon. My favourite animal is a goat. (coughs) Has always been a goat. I don't know why. They're just so cute with their little horns. Uh, My name's Austin. My favourite animal is a snake. I don't remember which one because I don't study zoology. (laughs) Great. So, with that, Jill is going to tell us about, about some Halloween animals. Um, we're just going to learn a bit about them and see what happens. <laughs> okay, so I don't have, like, a lot of facts, like, proper animal facts, but I have a lot of Halloween myths that I wanted to share because I thought they were interesting. Um, main ones, black cats. You see loads of black cats at Halloween. Um they're, the sort of superstition surrounding them is that they're bad luck. Um, and that was that stemmed from, I think it was Charles I, um, when he got like arrested and beheaded. Um, his black cat died the same day. And like ever since then, black cats have been bad luck, which is mental. Um, and they're sometimes thought to be witches in disguise as well, which is also crazy. Um, and at Halloween... Mainly in America. No, I'm kidding. Um, the myths and superstitions like about black cats mean that black cats aren't adopted as much from shelters, and uh, also sometimes they're abused on Halloween as well. Which Austin, is this is your fault. This is what? Austin's fault. The I don't American. even like cats. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's the problem. I'm sorry. I don't like things I can't give orders to. <laughs> we used to have a black cat when I was we had a black cat called Zippy, which is very cool. I love them. I have a black cat called Daisy. Oh, mm-hmm. not very obedient. <laughs> Precisely. Point you proven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other Halloween animals that got superstitions surrounding them. Uh, spiders, which Austin's terrified of. 
I'm not terrified of spiders. I just don't like the venomous ones because I've been bitten by them. So you it's think simple. Ev- you think that every spider is going to kill you? I'm not taking a risk. So you know what I do? I catch it in a glass, I drown it, then I spray it with links for good measure. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm scared. Psychopath. <laughs> um, anyway, there's loads of like, superstitions surrounding them as well. One of them was that spiders would live like in a witch's cloak and then whisper to them, like whisper advice to them. Um, some of them, actually, the superstitions aren't bad. Some of them are, are quite good. Like, a spider used to be a symbol of a good home or of wealth or something like that. Another superstition that we all probably know is if you kill a spider, it rains. I think. Yep. I think we all know that one. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Good thing I like the rain. <laughs> That's why you moved to Scotland. <laughs> one which I found really weird was a, apparently taking a spider with syrup was a good cure for a fever. And there's a, a Greek myth, because I love Greek myths, because um, they're so good, uh, about how spiders came to be. And basically there was this, this Greek lady called Arachne, and she was very, very beautiful. And she was a really good, she was good at weaving. She was very talented and people used to come and see her weave. Athena was the goddess of um, weaving, among other things. She was like the goddess of wisdom, wisdom. as well. But um, yes, Austin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, she was like pure raging because Arachne was saying she was better than her. So then she turned herself into an old woman and she went to talk to Arachne and give her like a chance to say she was sorry. Um, and then she didn't, and then she challenged Athena to a weaving contest and said that if she lost, she would accept whatever punishment. And so they both had this weaving contest and they made like really beautiful scenes, but Arachne had made scenes of like the gods doing some not so godly things, like basically just having sex with everything. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> She got super raging about that and turned her into a spider so that her and her ancestors would weave for the rest of their lives. So that's probably my favourite spider mm. math. I was reading a bit about spiders as well and like the Australian Sydney funnel web spider and it's not going to cure your fever because they can kill you in 15 minutes which is terrifying wow. and their fangs can bite through a shoe leather. Why? Oh, why does my it exist? God. Can y'all wonder why I kill every single spider I see? Because <laughs> they, they charge and they'll hold on to you and you keep biting and then you die like 15 minutes later. I didn't think there were any more reasons I didn't want to go to Australia for, but I'll add that one to the list. Find it under your toilet seat. Oh god, not one of them. <laughs> no, no. Butt spider. Butt spider. Um, What other Halloween animals have we got? Uh, Oh, snails apparently is one. Apparently if you caught a snail on Halloween and put it in a box or like a container or something, then the next morning it would have written the first initial of your soulmate in a slime trail, which is a wee bit disgusting. (laughs) But apparently that's a myth, so 
anyone wants to try that at Halloween, they can do. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Do that too in my sleep whenever my nose is really runny. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, and the last sort of Halloween animal that I can think of is bats. So bats have got loads of superstitions as well. Again, people thought they were witches, um, like disguised witches. Um, some people thought they were lost souls that came out after sunset and just roamed the skies. Um, some people thought that if you had a ghost in your house, they would let bats in. It's weird. Um, and another one that's not really a sort of spooky map about bats is that if they if they came out before sunset, then good weather was coming, which there is some sort of studies that actually back up a relationship between bats and weather, but it basically just said that um, the bats will come out earlier if it's been like a drought or very moist weather. Didn't take long to get the word moist into the podcast. Excellent. Moist. <laughs> At least it's trended right now. Um, yeah, that was the only sort of relationship. So it's not true. They don't come out just for good weather. Anyway, that's the last of the, the myths that I came up with for Halloween animals. Nice. I think that leads nicely into some stuff that Shannon also looked up about bats. So we can have a wee look at that just now. Yeah, so I uh, specifically looked up, it's called a ghost-faced bat. It's um, a Mormoops megalophila. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like Mormoops, that's a good name. Is, yeah, I've been practicing it all day, but it's <laughs> so enjoyable to say. Um, so its eyes are found in the ears on its forehead. Ooh. It's like warts coming out of its nose and weird leafy appendages on its chin. Uh, so they're kind of found in like southwest of Texas and south of Arizona and more Central America. Um, so not very much is known about them or what they eat, but they think that they eat like large bodied moths. Ugh. And I mean, when you think about the size of a bat, a big moth is fairly sizable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they fly about all year. They don't migrate or hibernate. They're just always there, much like ghosts. Um, they're usually found in deep caves or abandoned mine shafts. And they don't come out until it's dark to forage. So again, much like ghosts. <laughs> Um, they only ever have like one pup at a time, um, but the the survival of that pup relies on there being like loads of other bats in the cave with them, so that the temperature mm. is hot enough. So it needs to be around forty degrees Celsius for the pups to survive. And if there's not enough bats, it's not warm enough, and the young don't survive. That's crazy. Nursery crash. How terribly sad. I know. Um, so because of this, uh, the colonies tend to have like up to half a million bats, <laughs> which is 
crazy. I did not know there was that many bats in the world. There remain <laughs> one quality. <laughs> um, and unlike other bats, they kind of tend to like maintain like six inch distance from each other. So, you know, they were prepared for the pandemic long before humans were. <laughs> it's always hang about in like creepy places as well. Like abandoned oh, mineshaft. And like vampire bats. I mean, I had a bat in my house when I was in kindergarten. That means that um, there's a ghost in your house. That's what that means. <laughs> I wouldn't have doubted it. Was it, was <laughs> it a vampire bat that sucked your blood, Austin? Uh, no, it was a black bat and it landed on my head and scratched me. Maybe it was going to pierce your scalp. It was, it was, it was a jerk. It took us like a week to get that thing out of the house. Do you think vampires would turn into bats? No. Yes. If vampires exist, would they turn into bats? No. Why? Have you never seen young Dracula, Austin? Okay, obviously I've seen young Dracula. However, vampirism as a disease would mean that you eat blood, you're immortal, you can't go out in the sun. That doesn't give you the ability to modify your own DNA down to a like molecular level and turn yourself into a bat. Why are you pissing on everyone's parade, Austin? I'm sorry that science doesn't allow it. But, <laughs> but have you ever seen a vampire bat eat garlic bread? Exactly. She's got you there. <laughs> they are vampires. End of story. Yeah, I think vampire bats aren't as scary as they sound as well. In general, they tend to feed on like really large mammals, like cattle and stuff like that. And the amount of yeah. blood that they take out is nowhere near. It's like the equivalent of us getting a blood sample drawn. It's like yeah, it's yeah, like a few still be annoying. I think if it came so, flying at your face, you'd still shut yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the same with most things. Not it's not exclusive to vampire bats, so I'll give them off on that one. That it's just nice. <laughs> it's nice to see bats getting some good press these days for sure. They mm-hmm. deserve it. They're really no, cute they a lot of the time. Austin, Definitely. stop it. <laughs> They're Bad. cute. Day, do you have some me things about? Fungus and okay. So I have stuff on uh, the zombie ant fungus. I'm not going to attempt to say the Latin because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I will butcher it. Um, but basically, this this fungus, um, from what I've read, it mainly infects carpenter ants in places like Am- the Amazon and things like that. Um, once infected, it takes about a week for it to take full control over um, the ant. So it enters as like a single cell um, and then buds off and multiplies and spreads throughout the entire ant's body, um, connecting itself with little tubes, which is only ever seen in ants that infect plants, which is really unique to this species. Um, And it basically sets up an entire network And then from there, it'll take control of the ant and force it to leave the nest and then climb up a little plant stem um, to like an exact height of uh, 25 centimetres off the ground. Um, This is sort of the Goldilocks zone for the fungus. And then from there, it'll um, grow even more 
eventually shooting a little uh, stem or growth out of the uh, ant's head and then it'll balloon um, and this balloon holds all the spores and eventually it'll erupt and then all the spores will fall down to the ground and it's usually around about the nest of where this ant has come from um, and it'll just cover any ants that are there and then the cycle continues. It's like a um, giant salt shaker. Pretty much, yeah. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, so there's a few facts around this, like a few fun facts. Um, it's thought that even though they control the ant, they don't actually infiltrate the brain. Um, so they'll create their network throughout the whole uh, of the ant's body and then they'll send chemical signals out and that's how they control the ant's head and brain. And they will also attack the neurons that feed to the ant's muscles and then um, that disconnects the brain and the muscles and then the fungus will take the brain's place and it'll have direct control over the ant's body, like a puppeteer. That's crazy. So it like, controls it itself. Yeah. Um, cool. And then this sort of fungus has given rise to um, like the monsters that you see in The Last of Us, so like clickers and things like that. Um, and it also is the basis for the zombies in a book called The Girl with All the Gifts, um, which I've not read, but I found that fact and I thought it was quite interesting. Um, but yeah. I think um, these fungus making like zombie insects is quite a common thing as well, because I read something about zombie cicadas and mm -hmm. there was a fungus infecting them looked at in a 2019 study. And it caused their abdomens and their genitals to like wear away and then just fall off quite quickly. Ooh. And then the males basically, oh the males tried to hump everything that they could before they died. And yeah, <laughs> apparently it's quite what like way to go. hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic, <laughs> hallucinogenic <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah, there we go. Hmm. See, in Illinois, we had like these zombie deers, but I don't think it was caused by mushrooms. I think they were just zombie deer disease is what we called it. And they were just dead deers got up and started walking around and just being mm -hmm. deers. A bit like mad cow disease. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, there like, was they were like these half rotted that. away deers. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well. Yeah, I never got a chance to read much into that, but there was definitely, it's quite a sort of common thing. I don't know enough about it. It was terrifying. Much more, but zombie yeah. deer, yeah. I think I read a bit about it amazing. as well, and it is quite like mad cow disease, and then all the symptoms that come with it made them look like zombies, and they weren't scared of Yeah, if you see one, it is stuff. terrifying. And they were like wasting away and like all slobbery and oh. things like that, horrible. Apparently that's linked to chronic waste disease which is what Douglas is doing in his study. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, For those who don't know in the podcast, Douglas is our ginger friend. That's the only way to describe him. <laughs> ginger. Yep. So it is, it's a type of uh, prion disease, if that's how you say it, and it affects deer, elk, and moose. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. maybe at some point Douglas might come on and tell us about his honours project. How <laughs> fun would that be? <laughs> He doesn't have a choice. That's, yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is crazy. I know we've learned about a few of them throughout like our course 
uh, at the uni and stuff, but the number of different like fungi and stuff like that that are so clever that have these cycles where they literally just they're so much more clever. I know clever's not the word, but clever than you actually think they are. It's crazy. The ones about um, I think it's a fungus as well that can control snails and literally uh, changes oh, their behaviour, yeah. makes them yeah. climb up to the top of leaves and get eaten by birds, which completes their yeah, cycle. It makes, it makes their eyes pure bulge. Yeah, it's they attract birds. Crazy. So Nature many zombies. Yeah. I don't know much about Terrifying. mushrooms, but people tend to say I'm a pretty fun guy. The eye rolls in the Zoom call. That was bad. I think it was pretty great. It was awful. And it's so it's so old, Austin. Old news. Okay, well you're old, so you're, You're older, older than Jill. <laughs> Shut up, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. Aye, aye. Aye, 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 aye Captain. Oh, I love aye, aye. I can't hear you. Okay, so <laughs> the aye, aye is uh, the world's largest nocturnal primate. It lives in Madagascar um, and the species of lemur. Um, it's got rodent-like teeth that perpetually grow, so they like grow in kind of continuously but like one by one if that makes sense um that's what i've gathered from that meaning i could be wrong um but yeah they've got that and then uh they've got a long skinny middle finger um and this is like a specialized finger for feeding um so they'll they'll use it and tap on tree branches or tree trunks to locate a grub and then they'll use their teeth to gnaw a little hole in, and then they'll pull the grub out with their specialised finger. Oh my god, it's like it. it's like a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called percussive feeding. Um, it's only seen in another. The only other species that uses it is a possum of some. I can't remember the species, but it's a type of possum. Um, and they. The I.I. sort of fills the same ecological niche as woodpeckers um, in that respect. Hmm. So they are endangered. Um, part of that is because of deforestation and destruction of habitat. The other part is because of the folk belief that is surrounding them. So they're sort of seen as like a harbinger of evil um, and they are often like considered witches type thing in a lot of the villages. Um, a lot of people will take a kill on sight approach um, to ward off bad omens. Um, other beliefs is like if it points at you with its specialised finger you are then marked for death. Um, and some villages will believe, believe that if it's found within the compound of the village then it means that a villager is about to die or is going to die in the next couple of days. Um, and I mean, some some beliefs go as far as they say to that they murder people in their sleep. So they climb in their houses and stab them with their specialized finger and puncture their aorta and kill them like that. They do look quite evil, but also cute at the same time. What? 
You look quite evil. Shut your face. They're very, very misunderstood. Yes. Yeah, I think they're quite cute. They've got that yeah, sort are. of big eye, slightly weird looking, but in a lovable way sort of thing. So ugly that they're adorable. Sure. Yeah. Sure. They've got a, I think it's a male and a female eye eye at Chester Zoo. Nice. Um, and they've got like, they've got a big nocturnal area and I think that's actually the only thing in it. But um, they're like amazing with it. Like you go in and there's someone at the start of the nocturnal area telling you all the rules and then you go in and there's another like two people that are like, shut the fuck up if you even sort of dare to raise your, boy, your voice above a whisper. So it's really good. But um, we managed to spot the female when we were there, but they're like so reclusive. Yeah. Like we were in there for about an hour and I think we only spotted her once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a programme that I watched. I think it might have been Secret Life of the Zoo and they were trying to breed them um, and it was a young male and uh, he kept falling out of the tree every time he tried to approach oh. the female and he'd scream every time that he'd fall oh, no. and then he'd get up and then try again. <laughs> My heart. He's trying his best. The things we do for love. Find this no, hard. I'm just <laughs> Oh, lizards. Pygmy short horned lizard. They are really cool. They're found in North America and they've got a really unusual defense mechanism. Um, they like to fill the tissues below their eyes with blood. And when they feel scared or threatened, then they shoot the blood out of their eye sockets. Like, Bleh. Um, so then it scares the living crap out of the predators because they're like, ooh, blood, gross. And then, so they run away. But it's all the predator's fault because the predator should have been scared by the lizard's first defense mechanism, which is showing it its weird little horns on the top of its head. Um, and then the lizard wouldn't have had to have been such a diva. So I blame the predators. <laughs> um, so this act of shooting the blood out is called auto hemorrhaging and the lizard does this by rapidly contract- contracting its muscles so that the thin sinus membranes over its eyes are ruptured so then the jet of blood can shoot out and it can shoot up to four feet away which is a crazy distance um, but the lizard doesn't only do this when it's scared or threatened it also does this to clear out its eye if there's dirt or something stuck in it um, mm-hmm. so like us trying to get an eyelash out of our eye. Watch out, guys, we've got an eyelash. Yeah, <laughs> imagine, we're just like, blah. That would be horrible. You wouldn't be able to wear clothes ever. <laughs> the stains would be so bad. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, oh, and there's also really cool little frogs, um, golden poison dart frogs. So they're about the size of a paperclip, so they're really small, um, but they can kill up to 20 people. So it's like, what, why, how, amazing. <laughs> um, they've got alkaloid toxins coating their skin. Um, only about one, gra- mon- one milligram, sorry, of poison. But if it reaches the people's bloodstream, then it's death, sorry. Um, or it's also been said that they can kill up to two African bull elephants. So yeah, they're really powerful. Um, the toxin works because it inactivates the nerves and the muscles of its victim, which then causes heart failure. And pretty much every predator avoids these frogs just because, obviously, they don't want to die. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so pretty obvious reason, but you can kind of tell when a frog or like things like that are poisonous because they're really brightly coloured. Um, and this is called aposematism, which is basically them advertising, don't eat me or else you're going to suffer. But Die. there is one snake species, which is, <laughs> let me try and pronounce this, <laughs> Arephrolampris epinephalus. Um, well done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's always hard with these Latin names. Um, and they seem to be resistant to the poison and they just eat the frogs because they don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, but the good thing is in captivity, these frogs aren't deadly because it's the insects that they eat in the wild which gives them their lethal toxins. So if they're just eating crickets or flies or whatever, then they're fine. And some rainforest tribes historically have used these poison dart frogs by coating the edges of the heads, sorry, of their arrows on the poison from the frog's backs. So then they can shoot the bow and arrow and the arrow's like extra deadly to whoever it hits. So it's very clever using nature like that. That's crazy that it's all based on their food as well, how strong their point their toxin is. That yeah. I never actually do that about them, but that Dylan is and I have some of those real. exact frogs at work. And when I first was working with them, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna die. I can't go near them. <laughs> and then I found out that they're fine because it's just like flies and crickets to eat. <laughs> yeah. Like me and Steph are very big fans, probably a lot of others, but poison dart frogs are so cool. I don't yes. know if it's like, but I remember even when I was dead young and used to get these um, wildlife fact files. I don't know if anyone else ever had them, but my parents used to collect them for us. We don't have them anymore, but um, I remember they, seeing them. Were they in a big ring binder? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I considered those. buying them again not long ago, but I remember I'd just sit and read. It was just lists and lists of animals and facts about them. And yeah. this one was like, it still rings in my mind. I've not had them for years, but oh, poison dart frogs, so cool. Yeah, now, is weird. is all of the poison dart frog poisonous or just the skin? Like, could you skin it and then fry it up and have a little <coughs> treat? Or uh, I wouldn't want to chance it with it being that strong because <sighs> probably as part of the preparation, you might get some toxin on it. You know what? Hell of a way to go, <laughs> I'll take it's me. like those like puffer fish, if you eat them, they can like be deadly, yeah. can't they? Well, yeah, but if you get the right, you know, chef, he cuts it up right, you can eat the puffer fish. I feel like it's not really worth it for those frogs because they're so oh, small. It's worth it. By the time you take the skin off, it'll just be like the they size. probably taste amazing. It'll be like the size of a Malteser. <laughs> Saying they probably taste nice. Mm, I'm not so Debatable. sure. Do you Debatable. like frogs' legs? Yes, I love them. Yeah, big Frenchman. Frog legs are great, deep fried with some Cajun seasoning. Oh, oh! You actually disgust me. I'm not even gonna pretend that you don't. <laughs> so I think this brings us on to our next segment. Austin, take oh, it away. Oh <laughs> yeah, this is going to be my favorite part of the podcast every time we're doing it. Part one of my little segment, we have the animal of the week that I want to eat. Right? So since it's spooky season, uh, this week I chose the Yeti crab. So if you don't know what these big old boys look like, they have fur on their claws, which makes them look like yetis. And I, I feel like that fur is hiding some good meat. <laughs> what you saying? I love the. Fur? Would I eat the fur? Um, probably not. It's probably a no. Covered. I don't. I don't think you eat the fur. I think you use the fur to make like some earmuffs or something. 
but then eat the rest of it. Like, <laughs> well, if I'm gonna eat the animal, I might as well make some clothing out of it. True. You know what? No, I I I appreciate that you would be using the whole animal. No well, there you go. See, now nah, the vegans and PETA are gonna hate my segments every week. They're gonna. I'm hate just it. thinking, Shannon and Elise, the <laughs> vegetarians here, are not looking thrilled. But I'm I mean, used to enough. this. The rest of us, yeti <laughs> crabs. I mean, fair play. Are they eaten often? Does it? Do you know if it? Does anywhere actually not that eat I them? can find. Well, not that I could find. <laughs> There are there are species that are found in deep oceans in hydrothermal vents, so they'll be quite Ooh, hard to get that's, to. Yeah, that's a trick to get to them. Are you willing to get to take that risk, Austin? Are you yes. willing to risk your life to try and get to yes. the crab? Yes. These aren't the same as the, like the Hasselhoff crab things, are they? Do you know that, Steph? Remember there was the one, and they've got like they're named that because they've got like hairy chests, oh, no, and they grow bacteria in their oh, hairy chest, and. They like grow the bacteria to eat it, and they uh-huh. they've got that sort of symbiotic relationship. These I can't remember the name of them, but the hoth crab or something was its nickname. So they're <laughs> different species. Um, they are a type of squat lobster. So it's still the same same um, concept that they live around the hydrothermal vents. It's just a different species. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I I love. Apparently, they live animals. in like recent lava flows. So. Good luck, Austin. I'm going to say this. Y'all can hate me for it. As long as it's not too closely related to a human, I'd probably eat it. (laughs) Well, we shall find out across however many episodes we are going. And then the second part of this, this is my best part. Animals, I think I could beat the shit out of. Um, So for this week, again, staying on the spooky theme, I have a goblin shark. Yeah. Yeah, a goblin shark. Now, the, the big are... question we run into here is when I fight it on water and land. I was talking about this. I'm going to meet it halfway. We're going to fight on ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, I think one-on-one on some ice, wait, wait, wait. I beat the shit out of a is goblin shark. Be, is it going to be like an ice rink or is it going to be like in somewhere in a country that's really icy? Like, is it gonna yeah, it's going to be like in an ice rink. In an ice rink. I feel that's still just too... Me versus to the you. shark. The shark yeah, not got anything. You've got everything you need except it's a little the bit. The shark can be in a little pool of water. Especially, I think we should be in knee-high water. Like, yeah. Knee water. Water. Oh, yeah. I'd still, I'd still beat the shit out of that shark. Easily. Wait, Austin, you've got a dodgy knee. I do have a dodgy oh. knee. However, however, however... I could definitely punch that shark so hard it'll think about it twice. Well, apparently, apparently they're poor swimmers and have bad eyesight. Well, there we go. There, there we go. Deep sea species, so you'd have to try and figure out a way to get it up without killing it. Oh, that's. Yeah. I mean, if I if it dies on the way up, that's an automatic forfeit, and therefore I win. So. Hmm. Unrelated, but my Google search just told me that sand sharks are the only species of shark that fart. So there you go. <laughs> fart. They fart. They, they I'm be honest. I think the only <laughs> shark I couldn't beat up is a great white shark. That's a bold claim. Debatable. I'm, I'm just saying. Sure a whale shark could literally mm. just okay. Do those it those are really and... sharks. Those are whales. I'd, I'd say you'd still be challenged with a chair shark or even a bull shark. See, no, the thing is, there's, there's a fun fact about that. I, when I was in Jamaica when I was a kid, I kicked a tiger yeah, shark cool. on the head and survived. Didn't even get bit. Yeah, because it didn't know it was in a fight yet. Doesn't matter, <laughs> it got kicked, that him. counts. <laughs> when it's down. Sneak attack. <laughs> Goblin sharks are actually quite scary looking. 
Like, yeah, they're scary yeah, looking, but they can't swim, and they're poor swimmers. So, but they're like, also they're, they're large. It doesn't. I'm large. No, they're larger than you. They can be larger than me. I'm gonna still beat them up. They are twelve feet long. Okay, good for him. And that means weight, that's twelve feet of getting laid out. Four hundred and sixty pounds. Hey, that's twelve feet of him getting laid out by a punch. That's it. <laughs> He's getting beat up. Their teeth are terrifying. They're fine. Here's the thing, though. This goblin shark, he's never been in a fight before. I have military training. I'm beating that goblin shark's ass easily. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here we go. So what do we think? Are we going to have a vote? Who would win? Uh, goblin shark. Goblin wow. shark. Yeah, How I'm going with the shark. dare all of you? I think you'd lose multiple legs. But I we'll let myself. you try a yeti crab if you can get one. That was a good compromise. <laughs> Just saying, man. Goblin charge. I feel like I could beat him up. Uh-huh. Here, okay. We'll let the listeners, of which we will have many, decide. <laughs> Same. Goblin sharks can't fight. They don't got fists. Okay, Rachel, do you want to take it away? Yeah, so I'll finish up with a few more Halloween-y sort of themed things. So a bit further away from actual animals, but werewolves are relatively Halloween-y, I'd say. Um, so there were quite a few methods uh, where a werewolf would transform into a werewolf, I found, including putting on a belt made of wolf skin, drinking water from an animal's footprint. Didn't yep. specify, like, had to be a wolf, but this was just generally about transforming into different animals because there's other versions as well or drinking from an enchanted stream don't know how you go about finding that but maybe you know (laughs) if you are a werewolf and um the process of or or the the ability to transform into an animal like state is called lycanthropy or lycanthropy which uh, and quite a few of us here are pokemon fans so i thought i'd throw in a fun wee fact about names is there's a Pokemon called Lycanroc, so obviously very closely related to that name, Lycanthropy, um, who is a, starts off as a little cute puppy called Rockruff, and it, mm-hmm. it can transform, you can um, evolve it during the day, and it turns into a reasonably normal-looking... <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the debate. Uh, during the day, you can transform it into its midday form, where it looks pretty much like a normal wolf, but if you evolve it at night time in the games... Um, it goes into a more like werewolfy looking thing. It's big, scary looking on its hind legs instead. It's pretty cool. So yeah, there's a lot of like links between Pokemon names and uh, their uh, different Latin names and other sort of bits of entomology that are really cool like that. So, yeah, and, I've just uh, I've recently caught a rock ruff. Nice. In, uh, oh, and yeah, oh, and have you? Yeah. and stuff. They're yeah, so they cute. Do. I love them. They're up there with one of my favourites. They're so cute. Yeah. Um, and lastly, a little bit about pumpkins. So it sort of relates as well. Um, this week is, or sorry, no, earlier in this month was National Mammal Week, and quite a few of the uh, like SSPCA and stuff like that have some advice that um, instead of wasting all your pumpkins over this sort of Halloween season, you can chop them up. Make sure you scrape any wax and stuff out, and leave them out for any wildlife in the area. A lot of squirrels, hedgehogs, stuff like that, eat them. Just make sure any wax is removed from any candles that were in it. And don't put out tons. We're not saying put out like four pumpkins in your garden because eating too much can 
give them upset stomachs and stuff, but load, loads and loads of animals, birds, deer, anything like that, all enjoy eating some pumpkin. Don't I don't have to give them the seeds, do I? Because I like the pumpkin seeds. You can keep the seeds. That's you can also make a fine. pumpkin pie for Austin. Oh yeah, pumpkin pie yeah. is where it's at. I literally, for my birthday, asked Elise to make me a pumpkin pie instead of getting a birthday cake. <laughs> I don't think pumpkin's just not a thing you really eat here. Like Even yeah, at Halloween, you very rarely eat it. I don't get that. I, had a, I saw a video on, I think it was Facebook, and um, there is a herd of moose in America that descend on uh, a certain town in, um, I think it's America, somewhere in America. Um, and they basically raid all the houses and they'll fill up on pumpkins on Halloween. Aww. And then they'll just leave. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Just chaos. That's I'm pretty sure it's in Washington, I want to say, is where yeah, that happens. I think it's there. I think it's somewhere like that. Um, yeah. It happens quite a, in quite a few I know different it's a northern places. state. That's so cool. Yeah, you always see a lot of zoos will be putting out their videos just now of like all the re enrichment and they just give just yeah. about every animal a pumpkin. I'm going to be honest. I think I could beat up a moose. Smashing them. <laughs> oh, so you could not beat up a moose. No. Yes, I could. No, no you, you could not. No. Do you know how big they are? They're Question What weapons massive. do I get? You don't get no any weapons. weapons. I get no weapons. No, no weapons you get. You get what evolution gave you. Tell you what, I'm going to outsmart <laughs> it and then I'm just going to bite it right in the heart. That's going to happen. <laughs> we can... Oh, I don't... I'm not even human in that one else and get a grip at yourself. <laughs> Fine, I'll bite its skull. How about that? Okay. Okay. You're going to get... Well... If you try and bite its skull, you'll get impaled in the eye with an antler. Yeah. Incorrect. Their antlers are rounded. Stop fucking impale you. And what if they just hit you with it? That's not also going to be nice. They're literally. I mean, it's going to hurt, but I, I'm not saying I'll come out of this fight uninjured. <laughs> I don't think you'll come out. Of this just thing. saying, I'd wait. Yeah. Uh, agree Snap to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> choke it out. Just put the moose in a chokehold. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, more recently, <laughs> um, so just in the last week or so, I'm going to go through a few of the um, World Animal Days that help uh, raise some awareness of different species, usually that are threatened and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just recently was World Snow Leopard Day um, in Latin, their species is Panthera uncia, which is a reasonably easy one to pronounce. And these guys are found across the uh, middle of Asia throughout the sort of eastern Himalayas and there's estimated to be less than six and a half thousand of them in the wild just now so they're of a vulnerable status um, and their only natural predator is humans. We're the only reason that they're really reducing in numbers um, between taking over their um, habitat and breaking up their habitats and killing them for hunting their livestock and stuff like that along with killing them for their um, fur and uh, other parts of them for Chinese medicine so it's really not a great situation but there has been quite a few um, protected areas getting put in place and their numbers they seem to be recovering reasonably quickly so hopefully things are getting better for them pretty soon mm -hmm. but they are gorgeous looking things they're a bit smaller than you'd expect they're only up to five um, feet long which I think is kind of small for a big cat they're not the biggest yeah. but they can leap 50 feet in length so literally 10 times their body length they can jump which is 
absolutely mental for such a small, reasonably cute looking thing. But yeah, hmm. they're very nice. What do you guys think big cats taste like? <sighs> I don't know. I've never heard someone compare what they think a big cats taste like. You know how? Maybe like, it's like I've had bobcat, but I don't think you can really count that. You've had bobcat. Yeah, in America, it's legal to hunt bobcats because there's so many of them. What does it taste like? I don't, I don't know why I asked that. Uh, I don't I mean, want to know. Kinda, <laughs> here we are. It's hard to explain how it tasted because it was, it was really gamey, but in a good way. <laughs> it was, it was a good meat. Now, what's not a good meat is raccoon. That stuff sucks. It's greasy. It doesn't taste good. Ten out of ten would not recommend. I mean, if they're eating lots of like garbage, then. I wouldn't expect Understandable. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't I don't think the bigger cats would taste like bobcat. Like I want to know what a lion tastes like. Mm. Grr. No often. Just saying they might they might taste really nice and we don't know. Well, we're not eating Well them. you're well you're never gonna find out. Yeah. So you Do you think? know what? I'm pretty sure there's someone and I really don't know when or where, but I heard this in a different podcast, but there was somebody who used to get in contact with different zoos that he stayed near and ask for their animals once they'd passed away so that he could try them and document what they all tasted like. Did they so, let the him do that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Elise, contact Blair Drummond. <laughs> contact them right now. No. no. We're having lion. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. This was at least back in the early 1900s, but probably a good bit earlier. I'm still so, gonna try it. I'm gonna contact them. And be you like, can hey, try. You guys I think that your dead animals email like, is nah. getting a swift delete. Like, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that email's going straight in the junk. I yep. don't think that that email will ever be open. <laughs> Straight I just in want to know what they FBI, taste like. please investigate. <laughs> I just want to know what they taste like. What would the subject be? Dead animals. Yeah. Subject, <laughs> your dead animals. Heart emoji. Anyway. Yeah. Going back to another... The... Yeah. Sorry. Going back <laughs> to the snow leopards. Um, I managed... I got to see um, the cubs at Highland Wildlife Park mm. um, a couple of years ago. Um, and they were they were so cute. Oh, like, they were just little balls there. of fluff. Yeah. Like, teeny little balls of fluff. Gorgeous. I would highly recommend going. It's so good. Such a good day out. Did Love they that. not recently get a new enclosure up there? I think they did. I think they did, yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so also earlier in the week was International Sloth Day. So or I think I'm going to go with sloth. I don't usually pronounce it sloth, but David Attenborough Attenborough pronounces it that way. And I am not going to argue with him. So, Big David David can't argue with him. (laughs) Yes, you can. No, you can't. He's a human. No, he's not. He's a god. Exactly. (laughs) So, there's six different species of sloth. Sloth. I'm gonna keep doing it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and they're in two different groups: the two-toed and the three-toed. Um, the most critically endangered is the pygmy three-toed sloth, uh, which I'm gonna go for the Latin names because I'm just gonna give it a bash throughout the whole thing. Bradypus pyg- pygmaeus. Um, so yeah, they're critically endangered, which is almost the highest level. Uh, I think it's only one away from uh, extinct in the wild. Um, so that's pretty. I mean, you look so sad. 
<laughs> Shannon's a big sloth lover. <laughs> I am. Yeah. But they, they are one of those species that I think you'd either love them or hate them, but if you love them, they are just precious. Um, and there's also the main sloth um, is of vulnerable status, which isn't quite so bad, but its Latin name is Bradypus torcatus, possibly. Uh, they're all found in Central and South America in tropical rainforests. They can travel as little as 40 yards in a day, which is about the same as 50 steps for an average human. So not a lot. <laughs> and they tend to sleep 15 to 28 hours a day, which sounds like absolute goals, if you ask me. <laughs> um, especially right now. Um, they can barely walk on the ground because their hind legs are practically useless, um, mm. but they're pretty good swimmers with their front uh, legs, uh, which I think was in, was it Planet Earth 2? Planet Earth 2, yeah, yeah, I think that's the one it was. Was pretty, like, crazy. I'd never seen yeah. anything like that before. Really cool. either of them. Is it is it all species, or is it... I've only seen three toed sloth swimming, and I'm sure I've seen something... I think it was a sloth rescue program that I was watching, and it was two toed sloths couldn't swim. But I don't know I if that's correct. I didn't see in specifics, but that, that sounds like it could be right. It sounds like it could be right, but I would need to clarify that. I'm sure that one toe makes a big difference in the water. Yeah, absolutely. Big I was joking. No. That was being sarcastic. You took it seriously. I love to laugh because you're a little piggy nose. Yeah, I'm pretty sure main sloths are the sloths, sloths, sloths that a lot of people uh, recognise that have like the um, the dark eyes and they're super fluffy and stuff. They're the sort of stereotypical looking ones, but yeah, they're shabby chic. They're so lazy. I think they're one of the animals that a lot of people think why like how you managed to survive this long they literally they do so little they could so easily get eaten by so many things yeah they do so little it wouldn't even be worth eating them they um they have a specific tree which is called their poop tree and they will climb down (laughs) that poop tree and then poop at the bottom of it and they will only use that tree yeah, it's pretty exhaustive for them to poop because their diet can be so bad as well. Like yeah. it can be over an hour, and it's pretty intense on their bodies. Uh, I feel yeah. that. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, that pumpkin pie. Yeah. I think they only poop like once or twice a week as well. Yeah. It's not very often at all. No. It's a heck of a journey to have to do like more no. often than that. So there you go. Yeah. And lastly. Earlier in the week as well, on the 18th of October, was World Okapi Day, which was my favourite animal just now, which was before I started looking up some stuff for this, but they are just super cool. Uh, in Latin, they are Okapia Johnstoni. That funny sounds amazing. It sounds like an <laughs> name, John yeah, It sounds like someone found it, thought Okapi and my name's Johnston. Didn't actually figure out if that's what it is, but that sounds like what's probably <laughs> happened. Um, they're the giraffe's only living relative, um, and they sort of look like a cross between a deer and a zebra. They're sort of an antelope zebra sort of body um, with quite a long neck. They've got a really dark brown body as well. Um, they've got little horns, sort of like giraffes. Um, but then their butt and their legs are striped like zebras. And this is used as a camouflage. So they stay in the, um, they're actually endemic to the rainforests in Africa, which are um, 
de decreasing in area rapidly just now. Um, so they're native to the Democratic Republic of the Congo and they're currently uh, endangered as well, this species. Um, but their stripes, they believe that this is to give them camouflage when they're in the rainforest because it blends in with the rays of light that break through. Um, but it can also be to repel flies. So that's one of the things that they believe zebra stripes are also for, is the white and black clash stops flies from landing on them compared to if you were solid black like a horse. So that's most likely why they have their stripes. And for a um, sort of zebra-like animal, they stay almost completely solitary, except for if a mother and calf are in a pair. They only occasionally meet up for... Um, Occasionally feeding together and a bit of socialisation and play, but not breeding. very often. Yes, Austin, breeding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, which is pretty strange. You would have thought, looking at them, if you didn't know their habitat, that they would be more of a herd sort of animal. But, yeah, and one pretty crazy fact that I saw about them is that their babies, when their babies are born... They don't poop for 60 days, so two what? months they don't poop because it prevents attracting any predators by putting out a scent, and that's Intense mental. constipation. Yeah. I used to imagine the first shit after 60 days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Literally on milk as well. Like, that is uh, brutal. Oh, oh, that'd just be diarrhea city. I know. <laughs> I didn't find out enough about what it's like, and I didn't Just really want to. release a whole to, new so... river. <laughs> Austin. Opening plug face. Chill. But yeah, uh, so leopards are their main predator in the wild, but again, humans are a great threat to them. Um, they're often killed for their meat and their skin. Uh, and what doesn't help is the sort of civil unrest that goes on in Democratic Republic of the Congo. They've actually had some militia groups have killed Okapis and stuff like that. Um, but there is a really great project called the Okapi Conservation Project, very aptly named, that was founded in the late 1980s. And it's still going today. And they currently have a big protected area with over 5,000 Okapis. So Aww. they're doing great work in their conservation. So... Yeah. I'm sorry, did you say they're killed for their meat? Oh no. <laughs> At least we're taking a vacation. Um... <laughs> we're taking a vacation. We're going to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Canada on Facebook and they've got Okapis and their newborn baby giraffe, which was born like just like a couple of weeks ago, I think, was like out and about for the first time. And their neighbours with the Okapis, and the Okapi was just like, what the heck is this thing? And was judging it so hard. <laughs> Love it. But... You said they're killed for their meat, so they have to taste good. No, they just have to be food. Okay, Which maybe they taste them. amazing. We just, don't know. No, not fair. There's not enough of them. Stop it. Well, guess what? They're in danger because of people like you. <laughs> I can't help yeah, that I want to try far, every you know. single meat on this world by the time I die. You're the reason every single animal is in danger, Dustin. That's, you know what? That's fair. I'll take that blame. Send me hate on Facebook if you want. It's fine. <laughs> send, send me death threats. I love those. 
Peter, if you're watching this, report me to everyone that you have, please. We're not big enough for death threats yet, Austin. We've got a while to go on <laughs> social media. I, I, I feel like our first few viewers, I'm still going to get some death threats. What just... if it's us? It's literally going to be Douglas. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry. laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just <laughs> Shannon, how dare you say you want to eat sloths? <laughs> ah. So, thanks so much for tuning in if you've listened all the way through. Um, if you enjoyed this, be sure to check us out on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash zoology, linked in the description. Um, tune in next time for some more animal banter and quirky accents. That's all. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.